Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody, we're back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we're here to bring you more knowledge, more light, and more love. We have another Beyond the News episode this week. Every seventh episode, for those of you that are just joining us, that are just finding this podcast, perhaps you have not listened to a Beyond the News episode yet. Every seventh episode, we have guests, we have lectures, and then every seventh episode, I comb earth's news feed all the various places websites articles all mainstream sources for the most part and all incredible information that you may not have heard of you may not have heard somewhere else or found somewhere else news of the strange news of the unusual news of humanity's forward progression just all of these things just be on the news, the news, and beyond that. I'm sure you could extrapolate that from the name. And as usual, ladies and gentlemen, she's back. My co-host, my guest co-host for the lecture episodes and the tribute episodes and the beyond the news episodes. She's back. Bryn Anderson of Vital Force Herbs. Hello, Bryn. Hey, how's it going? You're back. You were supposed to be here a couple weeks ago, but you were in Utah. <laughs> I was not here. I was in Utah in a beautiful snow. And for people that don't know, her mom, her mother, has been dealing with cancer and issues related to cancer treatment. So I want to get an update on that. We did a little prayer for her, actually. That was on our- super sweet recent episode yes i'm glad you heard that and i want an update how is she doing how (laughs) is your mom how's her treatment how's everything going um she's doing great first of all thank you for doing that and thank all of you out there if you participated or heard uh, that little prayer that was pretty amazing and my mom was um very My mom was very taken aback by it. She is the most humble person I've ever met. She doesn't like herself to be publicized at all or put on a pedestal or, you know, so she was like, oh my God, they're talking about me. What? It was, um, it was pretty funny. It was great. Um, It's just what she needs. So she is doing well. She made it through her surgery and she has some treatments to do, but um, I think she's on the up and up and she seems to be feeling pretty good. And did you get her the Blue Cobra CBD? Of course I did. Yes. <laughs> yes. She is taking the Blue Cobra CBD. Oh, thank God. She is also thank taking God. some medicinal mushrooms. From feral fungi. Exactly. I was just going to say Scott, from previous Jason guest. Scott, one of your other guests. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So she's doing that and other things to help her maintain her vitality. Does it seem like she's doing better? Is there a progression or things doing better than they were before? Oh yeah, for sure. She needed to get over a hump, which was the surgery. And now that that's over, 
then we're on the up and up. So, well, that's fantastic. Yeah, well, thank God. Definitely. That so thank you for thinking about her. It's happening for her. And thank God she got Blue Cobra CBD because if you listen to the show, you know they're one of our sponsors. And I don't just let anyone be a sponsor of the show, which means that they're incredible. And Howard Hitt is incredible. His company's incredible. BlueCobraCBD.com. We'll talk about that in just a second, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, thank you for being here as we go through these articles, which we're about to do. We're about to dive into these. And these are fun. They're interesting. You're going to love these. And really, it's a chance for me to stretch out, relax, be casual, hang out with you, my friends, my audience members out there that I love you so much. I love you. I absolutely love you out there listening. We make this podcast together. And these Beyond the News episodes allow me to connect with you in such a great way. There's never any pressure, but it's just different. You know, it's the heat of the interview. There's no heat. There's no interview. <laughs> well, it is warm in here in the studio, but uh, there's no heat. There's no pressure. So what, we don't get diamonds? Wait a second. No, let, let me backtrack. <laughs> we're we're having fun. Of course we're creating diamonds. Creating beauty in every moment with our manifestation ability. Before we get into our Beyond the News episode, I need you to do something for me. Go to waveblock.com. That is waveblock.com. And there you will find the five-star rated shielding stickers for your Apple AirPods and your Apple iPhones. They are EMF shielding stickers that you apply to the Bluetooth AirPods. You apply them to your Apple iPhones of various styles, and they reflect the EMF frequencies, that radiation away from your body. Studies have shown that this radiation does cause damage to human physiology. It's real. It's out there. So in this day and age, with these products that are out there, you have to take the precautions where you can. And this company, WaveBlock, has created products that protect you. They help to keep you safe. Anything we can do to minimize the exposure in any way is a good thing. You think about those Bluetooth AirPods and they're right up against your lymph nodes. And they're just pushing that radiation into your lymphatic system. And if you know about that, you know that it's part of the immune system and it's so necessary. So WaveBlock has created these stickers that do not block the signal. They do not affect the functionality at all of these devices, but they do push the radioactive frequencies away from you. And you go to their website, waveblock.com. Like I said, five-star reviews. And they have the video showing the functionality of these products. And they also have lab reports that you can download. There's so much going on on that website, including our... 20% off code, which gets you 20% off any order. 
that you purchase from waveblock.com, put in the word midnight, M-I-D-N-I-G-H-T. You put that word in at checkout in the little box. You get 20% off your order. No other podcast, nowhere else out there will you find this level of discount. It is exclusive to the Midnight on Earth podcast. So if you use Apple products, my Apple people, if you know someone that uses Apple products, they have gift cards. We need to protect ourselves when we can, how we can. And this is one incredible option. So people, check them out. Use the 20% off code MIDNIGHT at waveblock.com. Again, that is waveblock.com. And also check out bluecobracbd.com. And there you will find Blue Cobra CBD oil, the highest quality CBD oil ever created on earth. There's a specific reason. It is because the CBD that is extracted from the hemp is extracted with a proprietary method. It is the hit extraction method. It was developed by a man named Howard Hit, AKA Big H. It's his method. No one else has it. It's like Colonel Sanders' secret KFC recipe. No one else knows how to do this, and it creates the most organic, the most natural extraction of CBD I've ever taken in my life, personally. There's no chemicals, there's no solvents, there's no gases, there's nothing unnatural. It's 100% organic, and it uses 100% organic, organ-grown hemp. We have a discount code as well with Blue Cobra CBD, as we have had this entire time. But we're going to change it this week for free shipping. Use the discount code Big H, B-I-G, and then the letter H, Big H. Use that discount code. You get free shipping on any order in the continental 48 United States. Plus, there is a money-back guarantee, which if you live outside the Continental 48 and you have to pay shipping, you get your shipping money back. So you get to keep the product, you get your shipping money back, and you get all your money back, as a matter of fact. I can't say this. I say this every week that I have to report on this. Reporting on the fact that Howard Hitz, if you contact him directly at bluecobracbd.com, he will tell you that his oil cured his cancer. I can't say that. Howard also knows, he claims, for other people that have cured their cancer from his oil. And I'm reporting on that, including someone with stage four cancer. We know CBD helps. We know how incredible it is. I put it in my shake every morning and it helps me be my best self. I absolutely love it. So if you've ever wanted to try CBD yourself, if you've ever wanted to try CBD for pets, which Howard has now, the wild thing line, 
He has different strengths. King Cobra, maximum strength, little King Cobra, regular strength. If you've ever wanted to try CBD products, try the best, the absolute best first. If you haven't tried it yet, this does not have THC in it. Some batches have that 0.03% that is legally allowed. But some batches have 0.00%. And he includes the test results with every batch. And of course, if you have any questions, contact him directly on the website. BlueCobraCBD.com. Go there. Check it out. Wild Thing, King Cobra, Little King Cobra. So much going on. The Big H discount code. BlueCobraCBD.com. Okay, and we're back. And one last thing. When you're done with those wonderful websites you have to check out, you still have a second. Follow me on Instagram if you haven't already. At midnight underscore on underscore earth. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Ever you go to get your podcasts, click that button that connects us so you know exactly what is going on all the time. You get notifications. There's something happening in our world. It instantly is transported into your world, if you so choose, by clicking that button. And tell a friend, someone that you know that loves these type of podcasts, Tell them about us, midnightonearth.com. Okay, Blue Cobra, Wave Block, social media shout out, all behind us now. And now we go into Beyond the News, which, so rundown, just for new people that are coming on, I see my stats every day, there's new people coming on. They're checking out old episodes. Perhaps they have not checked out a Beyond the News episode yet. So rundown. I read the headline. I read the article. And then we talk about it sometimes as we go, sometimes afterwards. And it has a flow. There's a little bit of structure, mostly grouped by subject. And then we close the episode. And we tell you how much we love you again, because we do. 120 countries we're in now. I'm just so blown away. I love it. Okay, so here we go. First article. This is from the NewYorkPost.com. Headline. Mysterious voids discovered in Great Pyramid of Giza could lead to Pharaoh's chamber. An ultra-powerful scan of Egypt's Great Pyramid of Giza could help identify two mysterious spaces that potentially house the legendary tomb of the Pharaoh. The watershed study was published last month by University of Cornell archaeologists. Here's a quote. We plan to field a telescope system that has upwards of 100 times the sensitivity of the equipment that has been Recently used at the Great Pyramid, wrote the researchers of the proposed scan, which is titled The Exploring the Great Pyramid Mission. They use advanced cosmic ray technology 
to map the internal structure of the Great Pyramid, which is Egypt's largest pyramid and the last surviving wonder from antiquity. The team's research is based on a study by Scan Pyramid Group, which conducted a series of scans between 2015 and 2017 that analyzed muons, cosmic particles that regularly fall on Earth, to detect any voids, Live Science reported. Muons react differently to air and stone and are therefore ideal for mapping air pockets in stone structures such as pyramids. The scientists found two spaces, the larger of which measures 98 feet long and 20 feet high and sits above the Grand Gallery. Meanwhile, the smaller void is located near the Citadel's north face. And while neither void's function is clear, scientists speculate that the large one could lead to the secret burial chamber of the pharaoh Khufu, for whom the Great Pyramid was originally constructed in the 26th century B.C. In order to peer inside the void, researchers plan to scan the area with supercharged cosmic ray muons, which are 100 times more powerful than the ones used in the prior scan. Utilizing them will allow researchers to image muons from nearly all angles and will, for the first time, produce a true tomographic image of such a large structure for the study. Wow. So they're using advanced technology. They're going to get a really, really good 3d map of these secret chambers i've always heard about secret chambers under the sphinx edgar casey said that it seems like there's still many mysteries yet to be discovered in the giza plateau and really just all over egypt and probably on earth you know you pull it back <laughs> many mysteries well i know i was thinking when it said scanned. I was like, what does that mean? Did they like MRI the pyramids or something? So cosmic rays, huh? That's interesting. Yeah, muons. Muons. Not MUFON, which is something no. different. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next article, skynews.com. Headline, NASA plans to take International Space Station out of orbit in January 2031 by crashing it into spacecraft cemetery. Really? Okay. NASA has published plans for the future of the International Space Station, which could see the 444,615 kilogram structure taken out of orbit in 2031 and crashed into a spacecraft cemetery. The laboratory will continue operating until 2030 following a commitment made by President Biden and Vice President Harris last month, but its long-term future is unsustainable. While the ISS will not last forever, NASA expects to be able to operate it safely through 2030. The space station's orbiting altitude will be slowly lowered from its current altitude of 253 miles. As the altitude of the ISS drops, it will encounter an even denser atmosphere, adding more drag and pulling it lower still. 
the space station will still be traveling so fast that it will begin to heat and cast off debris in a path behind it. The plan to avoid the debris damaging people or property is to have the ISS crash into an uninhabited area of the South Pacific Ocean near to Point Nemo. Point Nemo has been called a spacecraft cemetery because as the point on Earth most distant from any land, it is where decommissioned spacecraft are typically aimed when returning to Earth. So there you go. So that was a big deal. If you were a child of the 80s and the 90s, the ISS space station was a very present thing. And now, just like all the icons of that era, it's in the cemetery. It's going in the cemetery. I guess it's become obsolete <laughs> for whatever reason. I read in another article that it was being transferred over to a different kind of space station that was going to be private, like privately owned. Maybe parts of it. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But it's interesting. They can, I don't know. Well, we're just done with the space station now. So we're just going to crash into the ocean and let it be garbage in the ocean now that oh seems kind of weird it does seem with weird. all that like heavy metals and all the crazy stuff that goes into making a space station is now just going to be sitting in the ocean which if you think of that point in the deep south pacific far away from any land that means it's probably super wild and beautiful and and uh, untamed well, it could be somebody's new house. Some fish. I guess so. Probably an octopus, like a super <laughs> smart octopus. They'll figure out what to Woo-hoo. do with it. Yeah. Okay. Next article, Mashable.com. Headline, huge mysterious blast detected in deep space. This is about a new phenomenon in uh, astronomy. Here we go. Astronomers can detect powerful bursts of energy from the deep, deep cosmos. Sometimes the source of these bursts is mysterious. Scientists recently observed a giant blast some 130 million light years from Earth. Previously, they detected a colossal collision here from a well-known merger between two neutron stars. Collapsed stars that are perhaps the densest objects in the universe. But that dramatic event which produced a potent stream of energy, began to fade. Around three and a half years later, something else, something new, created another curious blast or release of energy. There's something else happening now. Ido Berger, a professor of astronomy at Harvard University and one of the scientists who detected this new cosmic event, told Mashable, The bursts of energy picked up by NASA's Chandra X-ray Observatory was intense. Astronomers liken it to the sonic boom made when a speeding plane breaks the sound barrier. In new research published in the Astrophysical Journal Letters, astronomers proposed two possible scenarios that might explain the event neither of which has ever been observed before. One is a kilonova glow when two neutron stars collide and create an extremely bright blast or a black hole, and it's the effect of a neutron star merging with the black hole. 
So they don't know what it is yet. But it is a new phenomenon. It's never going to stop. We're never going to stop seeing new phenomena in space. It's just humans. You know, we just think we know it all at every moment. We have the <laughs> peak of knowledge. We know everything right. right now, right? Until the next moment. Until suddenly it's new. Yeah. New to us. <laughs> okay. Here's our next article. Vice.com headline, a cosmic web connecting the universe shapes dark matter in galaxies. Study finds. Galaxies located at cosmic web nodes assemble dark matter earlier and are more enriched with heavy elements compared with those that are further away. Interesting. Our universe is connected by a cosmic web made of giant threads of dark matter and gas that stretch across millions of light years and intersect at nodes populated by dense clusters of galaxies. This vast network shapes the distribution and evolution of galaxies in fundamental ways that scientists are trying to unravel with ever sharper observations and advanced simulations. Now a team led by Callum Donnan, a postgraduate student in astronomy at the University of Edinburgh, have identified a key correlation between the chemical makeup of galaxies and their location within the cosmic web. Interesting. Using both real-life observations and computer simulations, the team found that galaxies closer to nodes display higher chemical enrichment than those farther away, a discovery that reveals some of the mysterious dynamics that link the universe. According to a study published on Monday in Nature Astronomy. Wow! Wow. Okay. Cosmic webs. Sounds just like mycelial webs of mushrooms. It does seem very similar. the microcosm and the macrocosm. I mean, yes. It's it's all structured similarly, as they say. And even more strange, livescience.com. Headline, our universe may have a twin that runs backward in time. An anti-universe running backwards in time could explain dark matter and cosmic inflation. What do you mean cosmic inflation? I was just going to say, what the hell? I'm already dealing with inflation right now. Cosmic. In 2022, and it's it's gone cosmic? Come on. (laughs) You're you're inflation. We're talking about microcosm, macrocosm. (laughs) I don't want that kind of inflation out there. Okay. Joke's over. Here's the article. A wild new theory suggests there may be another anti-universe running backward in time prior to the Big Bang. The idea assumes that the early universe was small, hot, and dense, and so uniform that time looks symmetric going backward and forward. If true, the new theory means that dark matter isn't so mysterious. It's just a new flavor of a ghostly particle called a neutrino that can only exist in this kind of universe. And the theory implies there would be no need for a period of inflation that rapidly expanded the size of the young cosmos soon after the Big Bang. If true, then future experiments to hunt for gravitational waves or to pin down the mass of neutrinos could answer once and for all whether this mere anti-universe 
exists. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. But ultimately, what they're saying is we would never have access to our twin, the mirror universe, because it exists behind our Big Bang before the beginning of our cosmos. But that doesn't mean we can't test this idea. Interesting. Interesting. A universe running backwards in the opposite direction. But somehow it's there forwards? That kind of makes sense. I, I mean. Wow. That's. Uh, <laughs> so It'd be the other half of the whole, I guess. I guess so. It turns it into the big shablang because it's just like even bigger than the Big Bang. BBC.com. Headline. SpaceX loses 40 satellites to geomagnetic storm a day after launch. Oh, man. Whoops. Okay, here we go. SpaceX, which is, of course, owned by Elon Musk, has lost dozens of satellites after they were hit by a geomagnetic storm a day after launch, causing them to fall from orbit and burn up. Such solar storms are caused by powerful explosions on the sun's surface, which spit out plasma and magnetic fields that can hit the earth. The company said up to 40 of 49 satellites from last week's launch were hit. Ouch. They had been due to join its Starlink satellite internet project. Starlink is Mr. Musk's bid to provide high-speed internet using thousands of orbiting satellites. The system is relatively expensive, but can be used in places where wired connections cannot. For example, in Tonga, where January's earthquake severed the island nation's undersea data cable, a Starlink station is being built in nearby Fiji to help restore access. Events like this are a reminder that space is challenging. Getting satellites or astronauts into orbit is still not easy, said Jacob Greer, the UK Space Agency. Okay. So the undersea data cable was severed by an earthquake? How did that happen? That's a whole other story. That's a whole other thing. There's a whole, there's an undersea cable that goes all the way to Fiji. That's pretty wild. They're all over the place, actually. I guess so, yeah. It's wild to think about, though, just the the laying of those lines. It's pretty interesting. Well, there's that new James Webb telescope that's out there in space, and they just dialed it in. BBC.com headline, James Webb fully focused telescope. Beats expectations. That's always good. Here we go. The American Space Agency has achieved a major milestone in its preparation of the new James Webb Space Telescope. Engineers say they have now managed to fully focus the $10 billion observatory on a test star. The pin sharp performance is even better than hoped, they add. To get to the stage, all of Webb's mirrors had to be aligned to tiny fractions of the width of a human hair. But the agency cautions that a lot of work still lies ahead. 
before the telescope can be declared operational. Lee Feinberg, the NASA engineer who has led the development of Webb's optical elements, described the release of the first properly focused image as phenomenal. And it does look amazing. It is available out there on the internet. And if you see it, you'll notice this big, beautiful star, but around it are actual galaxies. Yeah, that's right. Actual galaxies like that one and that one and that one. They're galaxies. They're not even, I mean, obviously, you know that (laughs) listening. And Bryn and I know that, but it's still just to say it because it's, it's, you know, your brain almost wants to make it like a solar system, which is still amazing, right? But this is like, these are galaxies. A picture of a star with full galaxies Galaxies, behind it, like multiple galaxies. Galaxies. Yeah, that's pretty wild. And the focus of that. A telescope to be able to capture all that in one picture. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just going to get crazier now that they got it dialed in. Um, so, yeah. So, that's really interesting. And what makes it different is the engineering images that we see today from the Webb telescope are as sharp and as crisp as the images that Hubble can take, but are at a wavelength of light that is totally invisible to Hubble, Whoa. said Jane Rigby from NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center maryland so this is making the invisible universe snap into very very sharp focus wow wow we're just we keep going humans you know good work okay but james webb's buddy the hubble telescope still has work to do and this is space.com headline hubble space telescope spots eerie galaxy eye staring across the universe A new Hubble Space Telescope image clearly captures the heart of a distant galaxy structured much like our own. And it really does look like an eye. The new image shows the eye of a galaxy called NGC 1097, which is located 48 million light years away from Earth. NGC 1097 is a barred spiral galaxy which puts it in the same category as the Milky Way. This picture reveals the intricacy of the web of stars and dust at NGC 1097 Center with the long tendrils of dust picked out in a dark red hue. Officials from the European Space Agency, which is a partner on the Hubble Space Telescope Project, said in a statement, It is pretty stellar. I mean, you see this picture, it looks like an eye. There's other Hubble space pictures that are out there that looks like an eye. This looks very much like a human eye. You can see the eyelid, the retina, almost even eyelashes. It's pretty wild. And Bryn, you were mentioning space junk. (laughs) Not that long Oh, you have a space junk story, huh? PBS.org. Here is the headline. Space junk on a 5,800 mile per hour collision course with the moon. Oh, Oh, great. The moon is about to get walloped by three tons of space junk, a punch that will carve out a crater that could fit several semi-tractor trailers. Why have we put three tons of space junk out there? We've put more than that, actually. Well, yeah. The leftover rocket will smash into the far side of the moon at 5,800 miles per hour on 
March 9th, which already happened, away from telescopes prying eyes. It may take weeks, even months, to confirm the impact through satellite images. It's been tumbling haphazardly through space, experts believe, since China launched it nearly a decade ago. But Chinese officials are dubious it's theirs. So nobody wants to claim the <laughs> that's space junk. That's not my space junk. <laughs> I didn't litter that. That's your space <laughs> junk, China. Like, no, no, that's not our space junk. Some, we don't know whose it is. And it's going to the dark side of the moon. So, oh, you know. Where, yeah, we talked about that, where China has a rover track, you know, right now taking pictures and, and doing other Maybe things. Maybe they can vacuum it up and figure out what it is and whose it is. Tracking deep space mission leftovers like this is very hard, according to a member of NASA. The moon's gravity can alter an object's path during flybys, creating uncertainty. And there's no readily available database, aside from the ones cobbled together by a few scientists. We are now in an era where many countries and private companies are putting stuff in deep space, so it's time to start keeping track of it. Right now, there's no one, just a few fans in their spare time. Wow. So there's just a whole lot of space trash going out there into space. That's kind of interesting that that's not kept track of. You would think that would be something that would be. But of all the things that are being tracked, apparently, it's not what's going on into space. Next up, CNN.com. Headline, significant amounts of water. Found in Mars's massive version of the Grand Canyon. Mars has its own version of the Grand Canyon, and scientists have learned this dramatic feature is home to significant amounts of water after a discovery made by an orbiter circling the red planet, according to the European Space Agency. The ExoMars Trace Gas Orbiter launched in 2016 as a joint mission between the European Space Agency and Roscosmos. Let me guess, they're Russian. Detected the water in Valles Marenes on Mars. This canyon system is 10 times longer, 5 times deeper, and 20 times wider than the Grand Canyon. The water is located beneath the surface of the canyon system and was detected by the orbiter's FRIEND instrument, which stands for Fine Resolution Epithermal Neutron Detector. Because you didn't just get that right off the top of your head. <laughs> this instrument is able to map hydrogen in the top meter of Martian soil. This is amazing. So we, we know there's gargantuan amounts of water on mars there's water on mars it's just all right under the surface as if the whole thing was sealed they sealed the water they sealed the life they sealed the extraterrestrial life wow i'm curious to see the martian grand canyon that sounds pretty wild this finding is an amazing first step but we need more observations to know for sure what form of water we're dealing with said Haken Svedum, a former project scientist for the orbiter, in a statement. Knowing more about how and where water exists on present-day Mars is essential to understand what happened to Mars's once-abundant water and helps our search for habitable environments, possible signs of past life, 
and organic materials from Mars's earliest days, said Colin Wilson, ESA's ExoMars Trace Gas Orbiter Project Scientist, in a statement. That was a lot of words for a title. I'd like to see that guy's name tag. <laughs> it's like a, you know, it's like six by eight or something. Right. Crazy. So incredible amounts of water on Mars. This next one, again, is about Mars. Space.com headline, NASA's Mars helicopter ingenuity to keep flying through September. The planned five flight mission is now at 21 flights and counting. So there's a helicopter on Mars that we put there. Ingenuity's flying days have been extended once again. The miniature Mars chopper now has clearance to continue flying until at least September. NASA's JPL announced today, March 15th. As part of this extension, Ingenuity will also sport some special upgrades that will allow the four pound drone to do even more daring flights in support of the Perseverance rover mission that landed with it in February 2021. I remember thinking when this all started, we'd be lucky to have three entries and immensely fortunate to get five. Now at the rate we're going, I'm going to need a second logbook. Havard Grip Ingenuity Chief Pilot said in a JPL statement. Interesting. So there's just a little alien helicopter flying around Mars right now. Okay. And speaking of China and the moon, this comes from the South China Morning Post, scmp.com. Headline, China hopes to start exploratory work on base on the moon by 2024, says leading lunar scientists. So now they're going to have a moon base. As if they weren't like setting that up the whole time. For years. A lead scientist in China's lunar program has unveiled details of plans for the country's first base on the moon, saying probes will start surveying the South Pole for potentially vital resources such as water. Everybody wants water. China has teamed up with Russia to compete with the United States and its allies in setting up a permanent outpost on the moon. Unlike the Cold War space race, the goal this time is to stay. To do so requires a wide range of resources ranging from oxygen and construction materials to water. And there is a three-phase plan to survey the lunar surface to get a clear picture of what will be found there. Wu Wyron, chief designer of the Shanjay program, said on the sidelines of the annual lawmakers gathering in Beijing on Monday, that the construction of a lunar base would start with the Shanxi 6 mission, which is expected to be launched in around two years' time. Shanxi 6 was initially intended to land on relatively flat terrain and test robotic sampling and return technology. But Wu said the space authorities now wanted to go to the moon's rugged South Pole, where their lunar base will be built and bring samples back to Earth for laboratory analysis. Interesting. So they're getting ready to put a base on the South Pole of the Moon in tw starting in 2024. It's right around the corner. It sure is. Well, there's sea changes happening all over the place. This is actually from a German website, which has a lot of letters. 
I'm just going to hopefully pronounce it correctly. It's grenweissenschaft-aktuell.de. Here's the headline. First university to recognize UAP UFO research as legitimate object of academic research. Oh, so now they get funding. Yes. For the first time, this is in Germany, Wurzburg. For the first time in history, the topic of unidentified aerial phenomenon, previously referred to as UFOs, has been officially recognized as a legitimate object of academic research at a high-profile Western university. The German press release by the Julius Maximilian University of Wurzburg explains, the Interdisciplinary Research Center for Extraterrestrial Science is an interdisciplinary scientific institute of the Faculty of Mathematics and Computer Science at the JMU. It was founded with the aim of intensifying and institutionalizing cooperation between the people and institutions involved. Its members develop technologies to explore space, objects in our solar system, stars, and galaxies. They also keep an eye open for signs of extraterrestrial life and extraterrestrial intelligence. Since January 25th, 2022, research into UAP phenomena has also been one of the official goals of the center. Today, the JMU Senate approved a corresponding extension, the IFEX statutes. It means it's part of academic research in Germany right now. It's becoming normalized. Everything's becoming normalized in the UFO world. As the aliens land very, fairly soon. It's going to happen eventually. I know I've been saying that for 30 years now, but <laughs> it's going to happen eventually. In archaeological time, that's nothing. Exactly. And this next one's from the sun.co.uk. Headline, weird disc discovery. Mysterious five-mile-long UFO on Google Maps could be lost city of Atlantis, conspiracy theorist claims. Alien hunting conspiracy theorist claims to have found a five-mile-long UFO in the middle of the sea. Scott C. Waring revealed images of a disc-like dome shape spotted near Peru and believes it is the right size and shape to be the lost city of Atlantis. Interesting. The picture does look interesting. It does look like a round disc-shaped something. I have long believed it to be an alien ship that was floating in the ocean that later submerged, he wrote on his blog, UFO Sightings Daily. The self-proclaimed ufologist thinks it's proof of ancient aliens and says their technology is just sitting there at the bottom of the ocean. Using digital rulers, he reckons the perfect circle is about five miles wide. This was noticed just off the Nazca Desert in southern Peru. Nazca is actually home to the so-called Nazca Lines geoglyphs that are in the soil that can be dated back to around 500 BC. Interesting correlation. What do you think, Bryn? Atlantis crashed UFO. It's actually five miles long in the sea. Yeah, I'm looking at it. It's really tricky to 
sort of tell with your eyes what five miles across is in a picture under the sea, but you you can see that it has depth to it. It's like a it's like a cake. It's like perfect and round and tall. Interesting. Undersea alien cake. I don't know. Okay, let's pivot to psychedelics. This is from my neck of the woods. This is from Willamette Week, wweek.com. Headline, California psychedelics investors are closely monitoring Oregon's psilocybin market. I bet they are. While I'm looking at this article's content, there's not much going on here. So you know that there's outside money that's going to be influencing the Oregon psilocybin market. So let's just go to the next article, which is also psychedelic related. MassLive.com headline, Worcester Commission looks at decriminalizing psychedelics, although vote won't change state law. So now across the country, they're starting to become decriminalized. So Worcester is only the latest in a group of Massachusetts cities that have taken up the issue City councils of East Hampton, Northampton, Cambridge, and Somerville have already voted to decriminalize the possession and use of psychedelic plants. While their votes don't change state law, the city council's decisions make it the lowest priority for police officers to enforce laws related to entheogenic plants or advise that no city official should use public resources to enforce the laws. In 2020, Oregon became the first state to legalize psilocybin for mental health treatment and the District of Columbia decriminalized the use of magic mushrooms and other psychedelic substances. So it's spreading to Massachusetts. Uh-oh, what's going on here? The Guardian.com headline, Oregon psychedelic mushroom regulators accused of conflict of interest. Really? Uh-oh. The chair of a board advising on the legalization of psychedelic mushrooms in Oregon has resigned after being accused of standing to profit financially from the potentially $1 billion industry he is helping to shape. In 2020, after a landmark U.S. first vote, Oregon legalized the therapeutic use of psilocybin, but the ructions at the board could throw the whole industry into disarray. The state's governor appointed an advisory board to help implement the trailblazing reforms for rollout in January next year, which we just talked to Casey Mitchell about. According to local media reports, however, some members of the board have allegedly announced or indicated their plans to invest in the industry. Well, hopefully that works out. It sounds like some of the people are shaping the policy and then also seeing the opportunity as entrepreneurs at the same time. They can't, uh, maybe they have FOMO. They don't want to miss out seeing what's shaping right in front of them and seeing that opportunity. So they're human beings. And just to touch on it, New York times, they have a recent article headline, more people are microdosing for mental health, but does it work? It's going into the mainstream consciousness. We talk about this every, or at least the most recent Beyond the News episodes. So there you go. But here's something to think about. Technologyreview.com. Headline. What do psychedelic drugs do to our brains 
AI could help us find out. Psychedelic drugs have long been touted as possible treatments for mental health disorders like depression or PTSD. But very little is really known about what these substances actually do to our brains. And it can be hard to find out. Understanding how they could work could help unlock their potential. Some scientists are using AI to figure it out. A team at McGill University in Montreal used natural language processing, the technique that allows voice assistants or search engines to work, to study written trip reports of drug users' experiences. The work could shed light on how hallucinogens trigger specific mental states, whether that be euphoria, anxiety, or a sense of being at one with the world. So this AI with a team from Mind State Design Labs incorporates this data and they use it to analyze patterns. Not as cool as I thought it was going to be. No, I was kind of thinking of like tripping robots or something. Or something of that nature. Here's something else. WashingtonPost.com. Headline. Meet LEQ, the robot who wants to keep grandma company. A new AI device optimized for empathy will either solve the problem of senior isolation or fling us into a dystopic abyss. Okay. On Tuesday, an Israeli company, Intuition Robotics, commercially released LEQ after a long beta use period. Billed as an AI companion for the elderly, LEQ offers soothing encouragement, invitation to games, gentle health prodding, music thoughts, and most important, a friendly voice that learns a person's ways and comforts them in their solitude. This is a character-based person and entity that lives with you, said Dor Schooler, Intuition's chief executive and co-founder. People who use LEQ expect her to remember conversations. They expect her to hold context, to deal with the hard times and celebrate the great times. These are the things I think we're on the frontier of. Oh, my God. Thanks to its camera and mic. The lamp-like elder robot can see, hear, and talk while its adjacent tablet screen allows for accompanying images. The device costs $250, the monthly service $30. So, so far it seems like an Amazon Alexa Plus. Right, it's like a personalized one. Hey there, how's it going, sugar? Like whatever your personal... Whatever the personal way that you would like to be talked to and reminded to do things. I don't know. That's uh, pretty wild, huh? Yeah. Well, hey, AI can be used for good things, just like this from learningenglish.voanews.com headline AI used to fill in missing words in ancient writings. See, this is going to be interesting when we can somehow use AI to recreate lost, actual lost text. These sacred texts are these just really deep human history texts that are out there. Researchers have developed an artificial intelligence system to help fill in missing words in ancient writings. The system is designed to help historians restore 
the writings and identify when and where they were written. Many ancient populations used writings, also known as inscriptions, to document different parts of their lives. The inscriptions have been found on materials such as rock, ceramic, and metal. The writings often contained valuable information about how ancient people lived and how they structured their societies. But in many cases, the objects containing such inscriptions have been damaged over the centuries. This left major parts of the inscriptions missing and difficult to identify and understand. In addition, many of the inscribed objects were moved from areas where they were first created. This makes it difficult for scientists to discover when and where the writings were made. The new AI-based method serves as a technological tool to help researchers repair missing inscriptions and estimate the true origins of the records. The researchers, led by Alphabet's AI company DeepMind, Alphabet being Google, call their tool Ithaca. In a statement, the researchers said the system is the first deep neural network that can restore the missing texts of damaged inscriptions. A neural network is a machine learning computer system built to act like the human brain. The findings were recently reported in a study in the publication Nature. Researchers from the organizations, including the University of Oxford, Athens University of Economics and Business, and more, also took part in the study. The team said it trained Ithaca on the largest collection of data containing Greek inscriptions from the nonprofit Packard Humanities Institute in California. Feeding this data into the system is designed to help the tool use past writings to predict missing letters and words in damaged inscriptions. In one case, Ithaca confirmed new evidence presented by historians about the dating of a series of important Greek decrees. The decrees were first thought to have been written before 446 BC, but the new evidence suggested a date in the 420 BC. Ithaca predicted a date of 421 BC. E. Wow. Okay. Another thing that Google has. <laughs> now they have all the ancient rings, They have the, huh? the ancient secrets of all the ancient texts. If this is what they're sharing with us. That means they have way more. And speaking of sharing, this is from protocol.com. Headline, despite AI race hype, U.S. and China make a formidable AI tag team. Buddies. With all the talk about competition between the U.S. and China to dominate AI advancement, it turns out researchers in both countries work together a lot. A new report from Stanford University's Institute for Human-Centered Artificial Intelligence on the Global State of AI Research and Investment, man, that was a mouthful, states that despite the fact that many AI researchers work together across the globe, the largest number of cross-country AI research and development collaborations between 2010 and 2021 were among people from the U.S. and China working together. Because we can all work together in a united planet. Come on, these labels. I know all this stuff. We're humans. We love each other. Come on, people. I was thinking about the sentence, human-centered artificial intelligence. 
Yeah. <laughs> what exactly yeah. does that mean? <laughs> I'm not sure. But the article notes sent the AI work between people in the U.S. and China as re- represented by published research far surpassed that of collaborations between the U.S. and other countries as well as among other countries excluding the U.S. In fact, the Stanford researchers found that U.S.-China AI collaboration produced 2.7 times more publications than produced by AI work between the U.K. and China, the second most prolific partner group in AI research. Don't get jealous, my British friends. Don't get jealous that, you know, the U.S. and China are bodying up on AI and you're not as cool. You're like AI buddy number two. But it's okay because we're all buddies. Perhaps the AI is controlling the entire thing. Well, speaking of interesting, futuristic, very modern things, we're going to talk for a second about NFTs and cryptocurrency. NFT is a new digital object, a new digital means of trade, and they represent something. We're going we're gonna to dive into this right now in this article from interestingengineering.com. Here's the headline. What's the difference between an NFT and cryptocurrency? And we're going to learn together on this because I have ideas, but I don't know exactly what's going on. But let's read together. Unless you've been living under a rock for the last few years or live in some remote location on Earth, chances are you've heard the terms cryptocurrency and NFT. But in your heart of hearts, do you actually know what they are? If not, then we highly recommend spending a few minutes of your day disentangling these commonly quoted terms. Cryptocurrencies are a form of virtual or digital currency that is secured using cryptography. That means they are incredibly secure and near impossible to counterfeit or double spend. Various encryption algorithms and other cryptographic techniques are usually involved in any cryptocurrency you care to look at that serve the purpose of safeguarding the networks from outside manipulation. Okay, so then what's an NFT? NFTs, or non-fungible tokens, are cryptographic assets held on a blockchain. Fungible, if you're not aware, is a word that originally derives from the Latin verb fungi, meaning to perform. In modern parlance, though admittedly mainly in legal jargon, it tends to be meaning interchangeable. This is massively significant. It's saying, to put it into perspective, physical fiat currency is the complete opposite. A pound is always a pound. A dollar is always a dollar and so forth. Each NFT comes with its own identification code and metadata that allows it to be uniquely identified from other NFTs and therefore enables its ownership to be readily tracked and traced. Each NFT cannot be replicated, only traded, and can be pretty much anything so long as it can be digitized. 
Digital drawings, doodles, pieces of music, memes, or tweets, for example, can all become NFTs. They can also be, of course, unique digital artworks. The main criteria are that they are entirely unique. Tokenizing these intangible assets allows them to be bought, sold, and traded more efficiently while in theory reducing the probability of fraud. NFTs can be created using blockchain and a specialist NFT marketplace to encode and tokenize the digital asset. The marketplace mints the NFT, charging a fee for the service. There are other associated fees involved. Okay. So it sounds like it's a digital asset, like rather than buying a physical painting, then you're buying a piece of a digital a painting. piece of a digital painting or the whole painting. set value. And it could only exist in the digital realm. Right. But you can tokenize any asset it's looking like. Okay, more from space. This is from sciencealert.com. Headline, wild new paper says quantum gravity could emerge from a holographic universe. This is amazing. In the last decades of his life, Albert Einstein hoped to unite his description of gravity with existing models of electromagnetism under a single master theory. It's a quest that continues to vex theoretical physicists to this day. Two of our best models of reality, Einstein's general theory of relativity and the laws of quantum mechanics, mix like oil and water. Whatever a combination of the two looks like, it will almost certainly reveal foundations to the universe quite unlike anything we can visualize. A newly published mathematical discovery describes the emergence of gravity within a so-called holographic model of the universe. It was found by a team of researchers from the Kalmers University of Technology in Sweden and MIT in the U.S. When we seek answers to questions in physics, we are often led to new discoveries in mathematics too, says Chalmers University mathematician Daniel Person. Well, we just have a few left. This is from theguardian.com. Headline. Japan's Killing Stone splits in two, releasing superstitions amid the sulfur springs. Predictions of dark forces being unleashed by an evil vixen hung over social media in Japan on Monday after a famous volcanic rock said to kill anyone who comes into contact with it was found split in two. According to the mythology surrounding the Sisho Shiki or Killing Stone. The object contains the transformed corpse of Tamamo Nome, a beautiful woman who had been part of a secret plot hatched by a feudal warlord to kill Emperor Toba, who reigned from 1107 to 1123. Legend has it that her true identity 
was an evil nine-tailed fox whose spirit is embedded in the hunk of lava located in an area of Tochigi Prefecture near Tokyo, famous for its sulfurous hot springs. Its separation into two roughly equal parts believed to have occurred within the past few days has spooked online users who noted that, according to folklore, the stone continually spews poison gas, hence its name. While the stone was said to have been destroyed in its spirit exercised by a Buddhist monk who scattered its pieces across Japan, many Japanese prefer to believe that its home is on the slopes of Mount Nasu. Visitors to the area, a popular sightseeing spot, recoiled in horror at the weekend after witnesses posted photos of the fractured stone, a length of rope that had been secured around a circumference lying on the ground. Oh, somebody ripped it apart. Oh, wow. I thought it was a natural thing that had just cracked open. Wow. Some had speculated that the demon of Tamamo Nome had been resurrected after almost a thousand years. Local media said cracks had appeared in the rocks several years ago, possibly allowing rainwater to seep inside and weaken the structure. So there you go. Well, as always, we like to close with one funny one. And this is from Kotaku.com. Headline. $500,000 NFT lawsuit over Pepe the Frog's butt is a very funny story. We just learned about NFTs. Here's the article. Late last year, Pepe the Frog creator Matt Fury decided to run an NFT auction selling off an image of the controversial character in which it was waist deep in a pool. It's butt crack peeping over the surface. Everything that has happened since is exactly how you would imagine such an auction would go down. Fury had formed a DAO or decentralized autonomous organization on October 8th and auctioned off a single NFT representing the image while at the same time clearly stating that aside from the one being auctioned, there would be 99 more NFTs representing the same image made and kept in the DAO's possession and never put up for sale. A man by the name of Halston Thayer went on to win the auction, spending the cryptocurrency equivalent of $537,084. He was no doubt thrilled with his unique purchase until a couple of weeks later, when Fury's DAO, called Peg's DAO, released 46 of those other 99 NFTs, which, remember, represent the exact same image as the one Thayer paid half a million dollars for, for free. As first posted by lawyer Rob Freund, Thayer has now decided to sue Fury and his associated companies claiming that the free release significantly devalued plaintiff's Pepe NFT to less than 30000 
which considering we're talking about an utterly worthless image that anyone can right-click and save for yourself, Thayer is seeking to have the full price of his original investment returned as well as punitive damages. Wow. NFT lawsuits even. Well, so we had a bunch of stories. We had some really interesting stuff, space and beyond, just beyond the news. Uh, we had a lot of space news, cosmic development, a little bit about what has been going on in Oregon with the psychedelics and so much more. Brynn, what did you think of this episode? Did you have fun? I did. I had a great time. There's a lot of space technology news out there. It seems like Every time we do this, there's more discoveries, more crazy math, um, the cosmic ray scanning systems, the AIs for grandparents, and all kinds of other wacky stuff going on. Yeah, we're expanding out into space. They say we are having issues with our money system here in America, but that's not stopping people from spending $14 billion on a probe right? of it's Mars, interesting. which I thought was interesting. Yeah, the money's, uh, money's somewhere well, all around us. Yeah, I just want to thank you for being here, Bryn, and I'm glad your mom's doing better. That's so nice. Yeah, thank you again for that. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me so much. It's always a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and everyone, of course, check out waveblock.com. Check out bluecobracbd.com. Check out vitalforceherbs.com. Thank you. Please do. And we'll see you next week. Midnight on Earth.